Welcome to the podcast series of the UNESCO Chair in Refugee Integration through Languages and the Arts. We bring you sounds to engage with you and invite you to think with us. I'm Dr. John Tippett. I'm a senior lecturer in the University of Manchester in the School of Environment, Education and Development. And my research is about two main questions. How do we imagine a sustainable future and how can we work together effectively to achieve that? So the round view has come out of the question about how can we make sure that any decision or project that we're planning is more likely to move towards sustainability, to to say, what is it we know about what we're doing wrong in terms of the environment so that we can design the opposites and actually figure out what would we need to do to design human settlements, products, systems, houses that actually fit within ecosystems, that don't cause those environmental problems in the first place. And part of the strength of the round view is its sheer simplicity. I call it profoundly simple because it's so clear and so simple that anybody from primary school to PhD can understand it Putting it into practice is where all the excitement and the creativity comes in. But we can share a language. We can share a language of what it could actually mean to be sustainable and to see how we could redesign things so that we fit within ecosystems. I call it learning to think like an ecosystem. How do we design buildings, cities, whole factories that run off sunlight and give out nothing but compost, clean water, and products that can be reused at the end of their life cycle. So we fit within ecosystems. But to do that, we need to have a sense of direction. We need to ask the right questions to make sure we're moving towards sustainability instead of away from it. And that's what the Roundview gives us, a navigational tool. Now, what we're doing here is testing out some new games that we developed that really help teach sustainability in a playful way. That people come in, they put the pieces of the puzzle together, they see how it works, and whilst they're doing it, they're talking to each other, they're exploring the underlying ideas without almost even realising it. They suddenly go, oh, look, there's a poem, or there's a picture, and I've put it together, and they get that satisfaction of making the puzzle, and by the time you've done that, you've actually learned something quite important about carbon and the nature of carbon, the fact that it exists everywhere and it's a natural building block of life about the difference between natural materials that can be composted, the difference between that kind of material and the sorts of chemicals that we're making that don't break down, that can't be decomposed, that don't fit within the ecosystem and end up building up and causing problems. So they start to understand the difference between those two things. Then we move on to think about this in terms of time and how this, how we can learn from the 4.55 billion years of life on Earth to really set our understanding of sustainability in the context of how we got to be where we are. Also recognising how incredibly quickly, in terms of geological time, we've been making changes to the Earth's systems. We've become a geological force within just a blink of an eye of time when you think in geological time. And I've heard people on the already on the sustainability takeover say, oh, 
Look what we've done in such a small amount of time, a real gasp of shock, recognising how quickly we've been changing things. We've got jigsaw puzzles that people put together to try and puzzle out and figure out what is it we're doing wrong, and therefore what are the opposites. And by the time they've done that, you can actually start to see that it might be possible to design a sustainable future. What, what would we like to see change so that we could live more sustainably? A lot of what we're trying to do here is actually really really build the sense that we are agents of change we can change things for the better and it's part of all of our jobs to do that so so you guys are going to come in here so what we're doing here at the Cranach Centre is a, a, a UNESCO Roundview sustainability takeover for two days where the whole of the story from the Iron Age and the artefacts has been, we're telling that story from the perspective of sustainability. Obviously, in so many ways, the Iron Age way of life was inherently sustainable. What can we learn from that? What skills can we learn from the past? What can we learn about how people used food in their local area, how they use natural materials. And this is very much the ethos of the Cranach, is teaching skills and understanding from the past and actually working with people so that they can bring some of that way of being and that learning into their lives and actually make fires and cook from local foods. Now, we're also telling the story of sustainability in terms of cloth and weaving and even thinking about natural dyes and looking at how that, how that compares to the kinds of dyes and the cloth that we're using today, which means that we take natural materials, add chemicals to them, and then they can't be composted. And we're coming down through the site and telling the story in different ways and then coming to the Roundview station where people are putting together blocks and puzzle, building blocks and puzzles and actually piecing together their understanding of sustainability with the aim that they walk out of here with inspiration, hope for the future and a little way of thinking that they might start to ask questions about what they do in their daily lives that can make a difference. Everyone see okay and hear me okay? Yes? Yeah. Yeah. Fabulous. So, welcome to the Scottish Carnog Centre. Has anyone been before? Yes? Fabulous. Um, anyone else? You've been before? Yes? Oh, we've got some... Re oh, I can't just go off, off script then and tell everyone. Um, I have to keep it to some sort of, some sort of script. Um, so, welcome to the Carnog Centre. Now, normally, this time last year, I would have taken you on to a Carnog. Does anyone know what a Carnog is? I want to guess what a Carnog is. No? A boat? A boat? No, not a boat, but we will see some boats at the very end. So this is what a Carnog looks like. Hopefully you can all see that. And I'll show you some more photos around the corner. Um, unfortunately, last year we had a, a bit of a fire and it's burnt down oh, uh, because no. it, was a, it was a wooden building. Um, just want to say, I'll answer your questions now. Don't worry, nobody was hurt. It happened in the middle of the night. And unfortunately, we don't know what started the fire. Um, we can just rule out that it wasn't malicious because we have cameras on it at all times. Um, but these things happen. Um, don't worry, it was only 25 years old. It wasn't a really old Carnog, thank goodness. Um, it was just a reconstruction. Mm -hmm. So I'll go show you some more photos around the corner and you can actually see what Carnog like. Thank you. Brilliant. Um, so my name's Jason and I am one of the experimental archaeologists that work here. 
environmental archaeology is <coughs> a way of reconstructing things from the past to better tell the story in, better tell the story in the present. So I've kind of remade a loom. I'm now focusing on pottery. Um, so that's what we're going to be talking about today. So you're probably all experts in the Iron Age in Scotland now. Now you've been with Becky for an hour. Um, we're going to talk about pottery. So pottery back in the Iron Age, um, from a modern day perspective, looks quite simple. But we can't judge it with our own eyes. We have to think about what were people doing in the past. And so people were making pots that we think were purely functional. It really didn't matter what it looked like. And we don't think they were trading in pots like this. They're just putting simple marks on them. So these are for domestic use. And we found thousands of shards of pottery at the bottom of the lock. Did you see the pottery at the end? Did you see the fingerprint pottery? Yes. Yeah. So, um, I'm going to show you how to make a simple pot, which could be used for storing small items in. It's very, very quick. So I've got a piece of clay here, and I'm just going to roll it into a ball, <coughs> like this. And then I'm going to put my thumb into the centre, and I'm just going to squeeze all the way around like this. And you can see the part starting to appear. That's literally taken me about, I don't know, 10 seconds, something like that. But, if you think about how this pot is made up, it's made up completely of my fingerprints. They weren't using potter's wheels at that time, not here anyway. So completely made up of my fingerprints, indentations. And one of the things that really excites me about the collection is not that the fact that they have these houses on water. Why wouldn't they? You know, they know how to make things. People are not primitive by any stretch of the imagination. It's the small marks that you find on things, whether it's the tall marks on the piles, whether it's a fingerprint. Because we talk about, what did Vader in the past? Who's they? Now, who are we talking about? We're talking about people. And by seeing the small little indentations on things, you're connecting to a person. So I'm going to do <coughs> something now. I'm going to put three indentations on the bottom of this pot.
like to have a go at grinding? Would you like to come over and first I'll show you how to have a go? Now, while smaller people are grinding away, come on, you can get involved, get some grain, get stuck in, don't eat it. <laughs> um, we've got, as I say, 167 different plant types found on the Cranog, and all of these different plants can be used not only sort of edib like an edible plant some of them are medicinal some of them are like mosses that might be used almost for bedding rather than as a food some might be used for medicine we don't know but what we've got is a few here so i've got things like this is um called sweet sicily sweet sicily was found on the crown you gotta be careful if you're trying to identify it yourself because it can look like other plants which are far more exciting because they're far more deadly okay we don't want to eat them but this one if you crush it down and release the oils in the plant it starts to smell like something very nice would you like to have a sniff give it a good squash really ruin it that's it have a sniff Aniseed, yeah? So they've got aniseed. So you add that to food, you're going to start to get a nice, sweet, cycle that doesn't belong. If you leave it on the ground, come back a hundred years later, it's still going to be there. Litter? What kind of litter in particular? Plastics, exactly. If I put down a banana peel, eventually that'll go back to the soil. But if I put down a plastic bag, yeah. and all of these things that we've got here, We've got plastics, old technology, mobile phones, insecticides, synthetic dyes, the colours in our clothes, ozone damaging gases like CFCs and nuclear waste. They just don't belong in nature. So if we make them and put them in nature, they will stay there forever. Versus something like cotton, which grows from a plant using carbon and oxygen. If we put that back in the ground, like everything in the Iron Age, if you put it on the ground, it would go back to soil, wouldn't it? But we've made things that don't belong. I've heard of cotton that it takes up a century from Exactly. Yes, that's why we're calling that a poison in this system, because it doesn't go back to nature, does it? So what should we do instead of having a plastic ground bottle on the ground? Pick up and put it in the litter. Well, even the litter is just going to sit in the ground for ages. What if we reused it and turned it back into plastic again and used it again as plastic instead of throwing it away? That would be a good idea. Do you want to do a puzzle to see if you can figure out the three things we're doing wrong and the three things we could do different? Yeah. Who wants to do the things we're doing wrong? Who wants to do wrong? have you done today? What have you taken part in? Well, we have um, 
been in the museum and learned a bit about uh, the uh, things that had been found in the actual Cranach further down there. Um, we've done singing and stories and then we've been seeing some of the crafts like the, the, the wood turning and the dyeing and spinning. And what else? Have I missed something out? Um, we also made these little people. And we got seeds to put inside them and plant them in the earth to return uh, the goods to the earth. Fantastic, thank you so much. And has anything that you have done today or learned today surprised you? Well, I've been surprised at the cloth work and how advanced it was and how beautiful the textiles were. Uh, so that was particularly more than I had expected somehow, less primitive. I'm thinking about sustainability, because this is one of our big themes for today. What do you think we can learn about sustainability by learning about the Iron Age? Well, I think that so much that's all around us can be used and reused, uh, and uh, that if we go back closer to the earth, we can find things, well, like a lot more food, like some of the herbs and things that you see that you might, as long as you don't eat the wrong things that uh, could add to the interest of your diet without buying it at the shops. I, I do think it, it would have been... I think you, you, can't, you don't want to have a rosy um, view about it as well. I think people stayed, could live and, and, and prosper, but I suspect quite often they didn't, and I think that was mm. quite tough, actually. It was a tough place, but people did... Yeah, you'd have to look out for each other quite strongly, the, the idea of community... Um, certainly within the Cranog must have been very strong um, in a way that we probably just don't understand about now. And we can learn that it's doable. You know, everybody can do it. It's not a, a sort of thing out there that you have to... I mean, you have to learn a bit about it, but you can pick that up. Um, and if they did it 2,000 years ago, I mean, we can certainly do it now and, and put it into practice. And that was one of the ideas of making the little figure with the seeds that you would make a, a sustainability pledge. And um, I, I thought that was a great touch. That was a nice touch, just having that. So, yeah. And what about yourself, Annika? Yeah, I think, uh, I think we, we should be looking back to, to learn about sustainability because I think we've lost touch with the nature of our environment and the seasons. We, we eat strawberries at Christmas. We, it's all gone, the, um, eating seasonally, just being in touch with, with the land. We've lost all that, most of us. There are a few who still live like that. But I think, you know, our recent history of the last 200 years, it, from that perspective, is pretty destructive, really. Mm. And your crown, the dawn will come. The night is long, and the path is dark. Look to the sky for one day soon. The dawn will
Thank you for listening to the podcast of the UNESCO Chair in Refugee Integration Through Languages and Arts, a podcast series to make you think. More information about work can be found on the website of the University of Glasgow, www.gla.ac.uk. Thank you very much.